No time to go to the bathroom, you're in the doom room. I'm Alex and I'm doomed. What's that smell? All the flowers abloom? Congrats! You're in the doom room. I'm Justin and I'm boom boomed. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Doom Patrol Season 1, Episode 14, Penultimate Patrol. Now, before we get into it, this title was a particular treat for me. I love the word penultimate. Whenever we talk about the second-to-last yeah. episode of a season, I'm always bringing it up. So I, I was I was good to go. They got ahead of you. They were ahead of you. Oh, my God. As soon as I saw that title, I was like, you know what? I don't even need to watch this. So I didn't watch the episode. I was Wow. It was, it was a full meal the for title. me. Yeah, yeah, I was good to go. Did anything happen? No, no, no. It's actually about a very good pen, the ultimate yeah. pen, the ultimate. Uh, Ooh, it's pen, comma ultimate. One of those astronaut pens that can write upside down. So it's better uh, yes. than that, buddy. What? Yeah. Wait, yeah. not one of those pens with the four colors where you can click it down and it's different colors. Better than that, buddy. Same technology. The astronaut <laughs> one and the one where you click it and it's pink for some reason. Mm-hmm. They developed them both in space. That was an early computer. The first computers you just clicked in and different colors would come out. Mm -hmm. And they're both made out of like that soft, spongy ice cream, right? The the very dry Uh, ice cream. Dippin' Dots? Dippin' Dots? No, I'm talking about astronaut ice cream. You talking Dippin' Dots? You talking Dippin' Dots? I'm always talking Dippin' Dots, man. You You talking about Tang? Well, anyway, lots of stuff happened in this episode. Most specifically, mm-hmm. finally, the team went directly for Mr. Nobody, as teased at the end of the last episode. Of course, Mr. Nobody is several steps ahead of them the entire time, leading to a huge revelation at the end of the episode. L- let's actually start there, because the big revelation The end here, of the episode? Well, I think because wow. this is the what? big thing that comes out of it. Is yeah. there are put pen ultimate on something, and now that, it's all topsy turvy. There's Alex people that worked on the, on the show. There are people that worked on the show. It goes to black. There's some white words, and I thought that was really interesting because I thought this was a documentary the entire time. Mm. Mm. I looked at the title. I looked at the ad credits, and I was I was good. That was it. Uh, here we have a man obsessed with the beginning of this every week, and now a man obsessed with the end. <laughs> man wants what? to talk about the credits all the time. Why does anybody even mm-hmm. listen to this podcast? No, I you guys talk, talk about, about the about end the because I do think actually the revelation, logo? <laughs> the revelation that the chief caused everybody's accidents, or at least that's what he's saying at the dum, end of the dum, episode. Dum. It colors a lot of the stuff that happens before the episode, and it changes also what we've thought about. Also, previous such 13 a, episodes. A great blackout, like this oh shit moment that really is. Uh, I mean, just the such, butler did it. Yeah, and it was one of those things where it was kind of like we, as the audience, have seen so much ahead of the characters feel like, okay, we have an understanding of like the chief now and what he did and that, uh, you know, cave lady love that he was into and, you know, that kind of started everything. But it turns out uh, as the nobody uh, reveals that we don't know the chief and and we really don't know uh, what's going on. So it was a hell of an ending. I mean, I think a lot of this was sort of predictable that, like, we were going to get a revelation and that Niles, there's more to him 
in a negative way. I feel like there's been this dread around him throughout the, the first season here that I think um, I was excited to see that this is the way it paid off, though, because they've been looking to not the Doom Patrol has been looking to Niles as their hero and savior. When in fact he's the cause of all of these Turns situations out. that they have just they, risen they, above in this very episode, right? But they just, you know what I mean? Like they thought he was somebody else this whole time, um, and he gave them the strength, as you know, Mister Nobody points out, to get through all of this, to get to here, and just to find out that um, oh no, no, it's uh, it's a worse than you could ever imagine. Well, I think the thing that is most interesting about this revelation is that most of the episode, like we were just talking about, is taken up with Mr. Nobody putting everybody through the paces, giving them this last temptation of, here's the day when you're changed, here's when your accident happened, what if you could take it back? I can actually take it do all that. back. I have the power to do that. I can change this one day, and none of this stuff will have ever happened. You'll forget the chief, but you'll be good to go. You'll just be a normal human living a happy life. And all of them, to a T, realize... No, it wasn't this day that made me, that just set me on the path to becoming a better person because I was already a ter- terrible person. I was already broken before these accidents happened. So I, I think, you know, learning that Niles at the end caused these accidents certainly brings that back there. And that's certainly going to cause friction, to put it lightly, between Niles and the team. But at the same time, they already understand inherently that that's not what they're about. So, yeah. And I think it remains to be seen whether he sort of messed up or these are like um, or different maybe, just circumstances or something he did deliberately to that to these people and like sort of plucked them out of their lives because they had made such a mess of it. And we're like, hey, let's experiment on this human because they've got nothing else going on. Or it's another Mr. Nobody trap that isn't real. Mr. Nobody wanted to just maybe say like not uh, Niles like this team. If they found out you did something, wouldn't believe in you. And maybe Niles is like, no, no, man. I, do you, Pete, do you feel like you personally have fallen into any of Mr. Nobody's traps in your life? Oh, my God. So many times, man. So many times. Yeah. Any in particular? Alex, how about you? Uh, if I could go back to the beginning of this podcast and do it a little better, I would give up anything. <laughs> wow wow uh, sorry is... listeners at home uh, <laughs> alex is disappointed in what we're putting out not you guys <laughs> i i feel like i could have come up with a better rhyme or something i was a little oh, nervous wow, you're all the way back at the rhyme here's the thing i was but worried that justin wouldn't... had already done it like last time yeah. did you do the bathroom but, one i didn't do bathroom but that was embarrassing oh okay that was really, really embarrassing. Oh and yeah, it's sort of on par with what Larry Trainer's going through, right? Yeah, yeah. I was definitely a monster before this, but that moment right at the beginning of the episode when I said, no time to go to the bathroom, you're in the doom room, that was, that was my origin story. Yeah. It's true. A <laughs> little rhyme swam into your mouth and you were able to rhyme sometimes. Well, if we could get past <laughs> that part and just kind of focus a little bit well, more on the show. get past the beginning of the episode, Pete? <laughs> <laughs> Wow! Look, we're all we're all doomed. That's why that's part of the yeah, show. Yeah, I mean, let's take it back to the beginning. You know what I mean? Let's take it back. We got Mister Nobody's origin story, and as the show comments, surprisingly, kind of basic. You know what I mean? It's, He's uh, a loser. I, it was kind of heartbreaking to see that, like. First off, hysterical Millie just being like, I'm the only one who believes in your crazy, horrible plans. Um, But then just to be like, you're a nobody. um, And then he just really owns that is uh, kind of 
heartbreaking and sad and, as pointed out, kind of basic. But he takes ownership of it. She calls him a nobody, and then he calls himself Mr. Nobody. The uh, same way that, Pete, you go by Mr. Too Many Cheesesteaks uh, in general. If if I could just interject it, it, it kind of reminds me of this story where this guy was taking my improv class. And, you know, at the start of the class, we kind of talk a little bit about, like, what brings you here or whatever. And this guy mm-hmm. tells me a story that is true and goes... I was, you know, I was like, "Hey, what brings you here?" And he goes, I, "I just divorced my wife, and I asked her, what am I supposed to do?'" And she goes, "I don't know, improvise." And so <laughs> here I am. Like the fact that somebody called him a nobody once, and he decided to take that literally and be like, "I'm going to be the biggest nobody anyone's ever seen," is kind of intense and uh, a crazy breaking point. You're, and what happened to that that person in your class? Uh, it was he, an uphill battle for a while, but then he eventually uh, really got into it. Oh, nice. And that's Jimmy Fallon? <laughs> <laughs> no, Just no. a guess? No? Uh, I really like this first scene as well. I thought it was really well done. I know I've been picking on these in particular, but I love the shout outs to the Brotherhood of Evil going on here. Morden used to create stuff for him. He that font on the newspaper was huge. I mean, it was almost cartoonishly big. Yeah, that was yeah. exactly what I was talking about. They mentioned yeah. Monsieur yeah. Mala. We're going to get to that later, Pete. <laughs> Monsieur oh, okay. Mala is the French gorilla that they mentioned who is in love with a brain in a jar named The Brain. Two of my favorite weird villains from DC Comics. So I thought yeah. at first maybe it was a reference to Gorilla Grodd, but no, yeah. there's a bunch of different gorillas. I think even Monsieur Mala is not from Gorilla City, it's just another random French talking gorilla, if I remember correctly. But wow. yeah, seems unlikely they'd be related. <laughs> uh, do so. you think they showed that in the, uh, the DC logo look that we got earlier? It was this right one. Well, I know we skipped over it, but it was mostly gorillas this time. Oh, yeah. yeah Got to watch it. Um, and I, I think the lesson maybe here is I have a feeling that Mr. Nobody hasn't confronted the issues he has in his life while our heroes are. Well, that's the thing. That's why Miss, uh, Mrs. Harrison was such a great choice from Jane to take to fight Mr. Nobody because, you know, uh, we kind of for a second thought, maybe we had nobody on the ropes. What uh, I know we're jumping back and forth from the beginning of the episode to the end, but I did still want to talk while we're touching on that. At this point, what does Mr. Nobody want? Like, what is his goal here? If he even has one necessarily, but since we find out so much information about his backstory, we get into it. But the end of the episode, his goal is to just get Niles to tell this team the truth. Why is that? Is he just being a bully? Is he trying to knock somebody well, I down think, who he thinks is doing better than him? I think what his plan is, is he wants to be a supervillain so that maybe Millie one day will set her paper down and look up and be like, huh, giant robot. I was wrong about that guy. Um, yes, but she's probably dead now. Um, I feel like he wants to, he wants, he sees Niles as sort of the opposite of him. Someone who's always been very capable and achieved and he wants to destroy him, maybe take his place, maybe have a, uh, a doom patrol of his own. He mm. feels like he is owed Niles's role in life perhaps. Um, and he just, the only way to get that is to take Niles out, he believes, mm. rather than try to do it on his own. 
I mean, just to take this one step further, and I'll continue to caveat this as I've been doing every episode that I legitimately do not remember what happens at any point further. Yeah, I didn't remember this ending. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. When when I was watching it, I was like, all right, I think they remember that. But that's the only time I remember this stuff. But I could see it going one of two ways, right? Like either Mr. Nobody is trying to take over for Niles and lead the Doom Patrol, or potentially he is trying to be a big supervillain like Pete was talking about. Either way, I do wonder if it does go back to his relationship with the Brotherhood of Evil and the fact that they fired him, and that ultimately this is all just a big revenge plot to show the Brotherhood of Evil what they were missing, whether it's put together this team of heroes to take them down or to be destroy a team of heroes and show them, haha, I'm a bigger villain than you ever will be. Either way, I would guess that it probably ties back to that, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, like I, I've spent my life trying to get revenge on um, my first job at a Burger King. <laughs> Someday it will be mine. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to the Port Washington Public Library, and that place is going down. <laughs> wow. you, were, you were let go from the Port Washington Public <laughs> yeah, Library. Yeah, I was let go because the summer ended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Please don't fire me. Uh, you have to go so back to stuff when the summer ends, buddy. Go back to Alexander School. Yeah. Alexander, you've mastered the Dewey Decimal System. We have I, nothing more to teach I you. was the guy who helped with computers. Everybody was like, we have these new things here, these computers. We don't know wow. how to use them. You saw Sandra Bullock's The Net and were like, I get this. Yeah, I could do this. I, I would run around the re- library yelling, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, I do think that, uh, you know, Mr. Nobody's... Like when he got fired and was just like they told me I didn't have enough zip was just such a hilarious uh, defeated moment. I can't say enough about this guy's acting and like his portrayal of nobody is is really just elevating the whole show. It's really so fun. I mean, and he also elevates most uh, pizzas as well as something that I've really found uh, through the I don't know if I mentioned this, but I was on a pizza making night for Resident Alien season two, which Alan I was going to make fun of you knowing him and then you did it. So it really takes the wind out of my (laughs) mockery sales. If you just keep earnestly big upping a pizza night you had with remotely with Alan Tudyk. Yeah, which makes it less like you met him because it was remotely. So I mean, I I don't even know if he knows that I was there. (laughs) (laughs) You were worst at flexing. Yeah, you who keeps nibbling on this pizza? Is there and you're hiding <laughs> under the table the whole time? Pretty much. Is that, wow. It was. I was. Like, it, and like you said, it was remote. It was over Zoom, so I was hiding under my table. I was you're like the kid who showed up at Chuck E. Cheese for the cool kids party, but wasn't invited, and just keeps creeping into the back of the pictures in the ball pit. <laughs> it's open, man. You can play the games; they're not going to stop you. All <laughs> That's right. right. This is Chuck E. Cheese. Anybody can show up here. So <laughs> I'm, right. I have a right to be here. Uh, and I called in sick to the, my library job at Poor, Poor Washington <laughs> Public Library. Kids, <laughs> we can get past uh, our, our personal stuff and get back to the show. That'll be great. Mm. This uh, Pete, if you learn nothing from this show, this episode, it's that you, the, your personal life is what life is all about, and Doom Patrol itself is about coming to conquer these issues, like Alex's library thing, and uh, Pete, whatever your issue, we're going to figure out right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we keep ping ponging? We can go back towards the beginning again and talk about the return of Danny the Street. Seems yes. to be doing a lot better this time. We find out that yeah. Flex knows Danny, which is very fun. Beard Hunter Danny's is Flex. there. Found Flex, it up. Uh, you know, hugging that giant kind of like uh, street thing was very hysterical. 
it's sad to see someone hugging one of those things. Yeah, it really is because it's the, uh, the, we're talking about the inflatable like car used car dealership flingy guy, right? Uh, D- that um, has to have and, a name, right? I was struggling when I was writing my notes, and I was like, "Wind dance guy." I, I don't know. It is one of those things where there's not a great term for it. Yeah, like hot hot air tube. I don't know what that thing is. Yeah, hot air tube could be anything. <laughs> Aren't we all just hot air tubes on this podcast anyway, for sure? Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh. We're verbally flinging our arms around. <laughs> how do you think – how do you think Beard don't Hunter got what from – been doing. How do you think Beard Hunter got from point A to point B, right? Because the last place we saw him was going down that staircase, confronting the Coraline – Paper mache Niles Calder, the yoked jackalope was attacking him, and now he's on Danny the Street. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm out of context. What you just said sounds insane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. just because it's an amalgamation of things that actually happened on the show and weird references we made on the show on this podcast. Yeah, like if anybody just walked, like if our boss, our individual bosses walked by and heard us talking about this, they'd be like, you're fired. Dude, dude. don't say it. Yeah, I, I'm going to get fuck is your life like? Yeah. You're fired from the Port you're Washington nobody. Public Library. Also, <laughs> what are you? what is this video chat you're doing? And also, what are podcasts? It's the 1990s. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how he got there. I mean, I got to think that may. I hope Danny we're going to find saved out. him, it seemed like. Or maybe all of this, I think, is going to tie back together. Danny has known where Niles is, and we get the reveal here, uh, which I love that um, the Mr. Nobody's realm is the white space in between comic book pages. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Super that fun. Definitely just... something taken out of the comic book because I was like, it doesn't quite make sense for TV that this is the answer, but very cool. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like Danny. How dare you say this doesn't make sense in this no, no, show? No, no, I, th- I think Justin is right that if you're going to translate no, it to TV, it should be a TV something. And I don't know what that TV thing is. You do. I have the answer. Ooh, I do. think the white space um, outside of comic book panels in TV are the commercials. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, yeah, the, either the fade, the black, or the uh, yeah, the commercial bits. And I see why they didn't do that. I think that's a trope we've seen in other uh, film and television projects. So um, I like that they committed to this as an idea. It's a yeah, much it's just... more homage to the original source material exactly. here. But I do think it would be commercials. Um, it could also be the black space around the thumbnail images on like Netflix or HBO Max or something like that. I guess purple, purple space. Oh, that's, Max. I mean, uh, that would match the meta nature of this. If mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, I'm here on the DC Universe app. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, I mean, the space Niles, between your phone, your the your apps on your phone, sort of is fun. Mister Nobody yells like I could shut down this whole streaming service. Uh, was pretty funny. That was yeah. pretty funny. Uh, like you're saying, though, visually, and then they did, and then he did do that. He did. Uh, R.I.P. DC Universe, gone but not forgotten. Oh, right. Uh, the I agree with you, though. Visually and in terms of the execution and everything, the white space is great. It also makes a lot more sense because the whole idea, for those who aren't regular comic book readers, is the white space is essentially the place where you can put your thoughts between panels. You're connecting the action in your brain. Not to get too heady about it. We all know this. Listeners may or may not. But there's a book called Understanding Comics by a guy named Scott McCloud, where he talks pretty heavily about this. So that's kind of what they were playing with here, is this is the place, this is the pause between your thoughts is also, where Mr. Nobody is existing. The possibility of anything could happen in mm-hmm. between panels, and we're only seeing the kind of certain things. Plus, you know, as uh, you know, when somebody dies off panel famously in comics, you know, do they really die? 
That's exactly. right. And we all live our lives at 100 miles an hour between the comic book panels. I live my life a fast mile and, at a time. I was going to say, are you fast and furious? Uh, <laughs> no. I think it's a better line that you live 100 miles an hour. Yeah. I live my Quarter life 100,000 miles at a time. Uh, I live my life like a broken air conditioner in a car, like a uh, Solantra, a a Hyundai Sonata. I live live my life like a candle in the wind. (laughs) You named a salsa when you were trying to say a car that was really funny. The salsa recipe is what I was trying to get at. Um, But uh, so as we're talking, the important uh, beer hunter. Were you talking about uh, that car that's made out of tortilla chips (laughs) that you can break apart and put in salsa because it's inefficient? Uh, yeah, believe me, I was in a horrible car accident. Um, had to eat horrible. your way out. I had, uh, the, yeah, the jaws of life, which is my own mouth, had to eat my way out. Fortunately, once I got out, I realized I uh, had crashed into a guacamole car. <laughs> so, sort of a happy Fortunately accident. or not fortunately. I, <laughs> I, think, the <laughs> I think I think at this point we have to apologize to the people trying to listen to a podcast about Doom Patrol. You Pete, know? I just, not to belabor this point, but you're a doctor, right? Weren't you on call that day and you had to call it in as a seven-layer dip incident? <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm not going to continue this bit. I want to talk about gorillas in DC Universe. Oh, yeah, let's talk uh, about normal stuff. No, we, that's yeah. the one thing we did talk about, so we definitely <laughs> don't need to talk about that. Um, so Beard Hunter's here. He's given up the gang. He doesn't want to have multiple Threatened bananas with stuck, the banana. stuck up his ass. It makes sense. Uh, this character is making total Very sense. Very funny. Um, i got to be honest. Whole, I would rather have it with the peel than without the peel. I'm just going to throw that out there, but go ahead. Oh, really? What? I feel like Feels that's like we're going so much softer. What do you? The end of a banana is like the uh, like an elbow. It's like oh, I guess I was dusty. thinking about it going the other way, but I, mainly like I feel like there's a lot more cramming that goes <laughs> there are on. Two ends to the banana. What you want to do it sideways? <laughs> yeah, not the, old, not the end. Big old, old love love it. You say out loud. <laughs> I think it was going to go the other way. If you don't have the peel at all, it's it's softer. Like what? But it takes longer. Oh my God! What are you I in just... a rush? <laughs> yeah, I want to get it over with. Oh my God! Hey, can we hurry up this ass banana thing? I have to get back. Uh, I have to get back to work. I'm sitting down for pizza with a star who won't remember me. Oh my God! What is happening? I can't um, believe how sidetracked we are. So let's get to let's get to the a very fun scene. Flex flexes right and he is like don't worry guys i got this i'll get this into the white space he flexes and everybody comes yeah um this was so fun and then cliff fakes it which was cliff fakes it it was all so fun such a side quest for this episode truly nothing except for maybe cliff faking it to fit in which is like a longer term character thing but this had nothing to do with the plotter story it was just what three four minutes of fun yeah. Which is a lot. I was I I couldn't believe that this went on that long and was great, and was not a part of the story. If if you want to read into it and give it a little credit, there it might be something about how everybody is now together on everything that they're not separated, they're not on their all tracks, they're all uh, coming all at the same time simultaneously, so they're all on the same page, so to speak. Even Except the street, clip. even Danny, even Danny, yeah. They're coming. Do you have you been on the street in mid orgasm? Like um, Alex, maybe on and when he lived on Sixth Ave in Prospect yeah, yeah, Park. Yeah, the uh, the day uh, Biden was elected, we all <laughs> stepped out on our what? front porches and 
Dot, dot, dot. Oh, my God. That is, Banana went in a different way. You know what I'm talking about? That, oh that's so funny because, Alex, that's sort of true. That when Biden won, all of Park Slope was like, oh. It probably did. I'll tell you what. I was two things when they finally announced that he was elected. Uh, first, by that point, I was living in Sunset Park. Uh, but second, I was in the middle of on Saturday, an hour-long meeting where we knew this was going to happen at some point, and the meeting just kept droning on and on. And when they finally, like, a push notification came up, I, like, stuck my hat out of the window, and I was like, hey, are people going to be excited? Nothing. Uh, Absolutely nothing. But then everybody in Park Slope, I heard, was like, woo. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, quite a day here in New York City. But let's keep talking about this show. Oh, Doom uh, Patrol, right. Yes, let's talk about that. Um. We get into the stuff where they have the chance to change their lives by just doing nothing and keep living them. And we sort of run through everybody, which I thought was was good. Yeah, I like that. And I liked right that even Mr. Nobody was pointing out the repetitive nature of it. So they're able to have their structure and eat it too, kind of, that they could do these things, but they could excuse it as part of it um, to the point where like – I think he breaks in on the cliff one. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit. We know. We get it. Come on. Yeah, that on. was funny. Yeah, yeah that was. He really... said holy shit a lot in this episode. Uh, a yes. couple other lines here. We aren't the same team from the donkey, which I thought was fun. Just as a uh, benchmark moment in your life to be like, when we went into that donkey, mm-hmm. um, they're a C-team breakfast club, says Mr. Nobody. Oh, my God. He had, was killing it as a voiceover person. Uh, just. Oh, well, and I also love so the fun. note of having Rita take over the narrative and all of her yes. commentary about sometimes you have to write yourself the parts you want. Yeah. Very fun and very organic just in terms of from where she is as a character now. Yeah, it was great work. to see her like take control to step up and, and, and kind of take it and try. Even when Flex uh, was about to flex, she was like, no, you focus, Flex. You fucked it up last time, which was great. You know what I mean? Taking control of things. She even interrupted his hug short. It was like, yeah, as sweet as this is we're here to do shit we need rita to kind of rally us when we're getting so stupidly sidetracked and i do yep um i do who's the reader here i do think it was to see her in a leadership role is really cool and i thought it was interesting that she has stepped up as a leader but her powers still aren't working in the way she doesn't have control of her powers yet and maybe that's something we're going to see in the next episode we only saw that one moment where she sort of elastigirled her arm uh, like right. four or five episodes back. So I'm curious if her powers are going to catch up with sort of her new role as a powerful narrator and leader here. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. We should also talk about Cyborg, though, because he has this side story that's going on oh, with his dad. The, Jesus, the waterworks. Holy shit. Did that really get you, Pete? Yeah, I mean, the the back and forth between uh, Vic and his dad was really very touching. This thing about Vic's dad being afraid to tell him the truth and, uh, you know, Vic's kind of like letting Mr. Nobody kind of uh, muddy his relationship with his father. It was really, it was, I mean, the two of them were crying. It was very moving. It was uh, now, very- Pete, as somebody, and you talked about this in the last episode, who wants to kill your dad and have sex with your mom. How did you feel about this whole storyline nope, and how it turned not, out? Because there was a little this, bit of a flip there. 
that's uh, that's not what I said or anything close to it. But thanks for trying to make me look bad, like you like to do. It's not making you look bad. Um, I think Alex was taking some liberty, but you did go on sort of a lengthy monologue about how it's every boy's dream to kill his dad. <laughs> no, I'm just saying to step up to your father and be like, you know what, you know, I'm gonna have sex with mom, and you can't stop him, <laughs> right, Pete? By the way, I can't help but notice you're wearing glasses. Is that because you poked out your eyes with sticks, or what happened there? Yes. <laughs> well, getting deep on some Oedipal uh, mythology work, Alex. Mm-hmm. I love the research. Thank you. Yes, I had to research that one. The cyborg storyline I thought was great and a really nice parallel to what's going on with Niles, because here we also get a confession from Silas that he essentially has been manipulating cyborg just like we suspected. Like how I think it's going to turn out for Niles, it is for what from his perspective is definitely good reasons, even if it doesn't hit Cyborg the right way, that he ultimately was given this impossible decision of, do I save my wife? Do I save my son? Niles pushed him to save his son. And that's retroactively how he justified that decision is to change the memories, is to make his son into a superhero uh, and craft him in that way. But that's what I hope it is. I hope it's kind of like this thing of like, he's telling the truth, but he was also there to help them. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. He didn't cause mom's, de- you know, death, but he was kind of the one that pushed dad to be like, hey, save the kid. Also, he didn't cause any pain to Jane, but he was there to, you know, get her out of that hellhole. You know, like, I, I don't know. I'm a little worried I- about the what the reveal actually is going to mean. I think it is going to be worse than that. I think Niles, it feels like where we're trending is that the Doom Patrol has to rise up past uh, Niles because he's not the be-all, end-all. He's not this moral figure that they think he is, and they have to just – they've conquered their issues, and Niles probably hasn't because he's only now just coming clean. Um, So I think they're going to move past Niles in this next episode. I think that's the even bigger issue – that they potentially have to deal with. And I'm glad you're being so positive about it. But the fact of the matter is they all came together as a team and finally agree on things and are finally working towards a goal because of the chief. So even bigger than the lie of their creation, which like we talked about, they potentially have moved past emotionally, at least in certain respects. If the thing that brought them together as a team ultimately is a lie that we have to find the chief. If the chief actually is somebody they don't want to find and they want to ignore What does that mean for them as a team? Maybe it does mean that they completely break up and go to their separate corners again and don't relate. Or alternately, like you're saying, Justin, maybe they push past that too and become something better. Exactly. Well, I think I think what you're talking about is really reflected in this Groundhog's Day sequence that we get um, get coming up next, where they're in this battle. They're sort of in more superheroy costumes, uh, especially yeah. Rita, and they just get endlessly killed by nobody's robot that he never robot. Finished. Yeah, call back to the little uh, robot in, in his little box. Yeah, and I think maybe the the reference here, like you're saying, is because they haven't all transcended. Niles is still uh, holding them back. They're stuck in this cycle and they can't actually um, step up and win. And I also thought this was a sort of a commentary on how most comic book superhero adventures are just 
endless cycles where they're doing sort of the same things, oh, defeating the villains, but they're not growing and changing at all. But, and this is different. They're trying to break out of that and confront real issues in real people's lives. I thought it was kind of an ad for big uh, chocolate chip pancakes because, like, if he would have gotten chocolate chip pancakes, everything would the cycle would have broken and he would have been all right. But because there's no chocolate chip pancakes, then you're stuck in a superhero, superhero kind of cycle that we've all seen before. That's a really good point. Uh, another thing that I really liked in the episode that I'll call out is when it turns out not to be Cyborg, it's Mr. Nobody. Uh, but Cyborg comes in, shoots Mr. Nobody, and calling back to a couple of episodes back when he asked, booyah. how many times do I say booyah? He says booyah here. So just just a fun callback. But also... But that was it, nobody in Cyborg who says booyah, yes. right? Yeah, so but he that's, was making fun of him. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it, it was such a fun turn because... At first, it was like, oh, shit, Vic's back, and all he had to do was shoot him was such a cool ma- being like, oh, man, Vic's powerful again, and he's he's great. But then when you see Vic and he's in the black and white, as such a great tease to that's not really Vic. But uh, also the acting, the look on Mr. Nobody's face as he's saying fuck and getting like fake shot was really impressive uh, kind of fooled us all uh but yeah then when we're kind of in that cycle that they can't get out of that's when we realize and that's that was such a fun twist such well, a fun reveal well and it's also a nice structural thing because we've just seen cyborg say you know what i'm gonna go help my friends but as a viewer I, maybe you guys realized it i certainly did what i didn't when i was watching it you don't think about the fact that there's no way cyborg could get there that quickly that just could yeah. not happen so well, yeah, yeah. but we don't know how time is kind of working i mean how long did cliff take to fuck the you know, uh, the nanny or whatever oh God, that would be like, like five or six days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. So like we don't Four know. Minutes. What's yeah. a long time for sex? Five or six? <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I mean, this is a question just for the context of the show, just for the show. That yeah, the show yeah, I have to imagine. Well, when you're making baby, it's like nine, nine months or so, right? You have sex for nine months. When, you when you're baby, making baby, when you make baby <laughs> with yeah. lady on, on lady, when you make baby on lady, it take nine months. <laughs> That that how long sex take? <laughs> Are you you're one of the cave people from that Niles is uh, Grof? Yes, yeah. Grof. Did Niles have sex with you? And how many yolks jackalopes do you have in your life? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, um, what were we talking about? Chocolate you kept saying pancakes. make baby. You kept yeah. saying oh, me yeah. me want to make baby. <laughs> Nobody else thought that was weird. The way Niles was just like chocolate chip pancakes. Like what was that about? Like. Here's what I think that was about. This mm-hmm. whole fantasy sequence, or what we find out is a Groundhog's Day style fantasy sequence, seems very childish. Very like, they're action figures. We're going to go do good and, and fighting a giant robot. Ordering chocolate chip pancakes is what a, a person who is not grown up does. That's what a child does. <laughs> wait, wait, hold back up the fucking truck for a second there. A grown person can breakfast. walk. A grown person can walk into, you know, any kind of place and order chocolate chip pancakes and it's totally fine. Any kind of place? You're going to walk into like a high-end hotel <laughs> yeah. and be like, hey. Yeah, that's meet. what they're there for, right? If it's, you know, high-end, like you could get chocolate chip pancakes. I'm at Pete up here. I walked into a Sephora the other day and I was like, you got to do chocolate chip pancakes? And they're like, hell yeah. That's you, you baby, right? Like, <laughs> you yep. make baby. You make baby. Um, 
Well, I guess, yeah, maybe that is just a way of showing just how uh, mature and um, in command of your faculties you are when you walk into <laughs> any, place any place and order chocolate chip pancakes. I That's think you're right, Justin. I do think the whole thing is it's supposed to be cartoonish. It's supposed to be over the top. That's the function of the chocolate chip pancakes and the enormous trays of bacon and sausage. Oh, I hope that didn't go to waste. I mean, because that really looked delicious. They probably yeah, fed it to like Admiral it. Whiskers, who I, I assume is in there somewhere. Yep. That Any other moments from the episode that you guys wanted to call out? Well, uh, yeah, just I to want... finish, finish what we were saying real quick, and then yeah. you, uh, you can go. Uh, the um, It feels like the reason that was such a, a simple sort of childish um, thing and the, their death, which didn't really matter, and they kept tuning again, is because I think Niles hasn't dealt with himself. And now that he's confronting or at least telling the truth, maybe, like I said earlier, that will get him out of this cycle. Yeah, to take it back, what we were talking about, it's uh, when you pile uh, bacon like that, you know, like it's just more appetizing. It looks, you know, what I mean, there's so much of it. It just seems like, well, I could just jump right into that. Pile. I prefer my bacon yeah. spread around the, the house. Great <laughs> Secret pieces. spots. You got to look for yeah. it every time. It's like a little treat if you find it. Yeah, that's why people use the term Easter eggs for, like, hidden things in movies. Mm-hmm. And I'm always mm-hmm. like, loose bacon is what I call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I call loose bacon. There's a great loose the Brotherhood of Evil references. Were some really good loose bacon in this episode. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. Why don't we talk about who was most doomed this episode? Oh, you've got. I do have else. one for. Oh, okay. Sorry, uh, right, one final on. reference. I'm so sorry, Alex. I'm so sorry. Um, when my one Never of the do it greatest. Again. I will not. I won't ever do this again. Um, a great uh, line um, w- that Rita said earlier in the episode when she said, a donkeys mustn't touch it, um, I thought was a very funny way to refer um, to a donkey's mm-hmm. uh, butthole. Yeah. Oh, wow. I-, I also like the callback of that uh, butt song, the uh, hot diggity. Uh, was really, uh, it was really, it was such an uh, enjoyably placed and Mr. Nobody uh, tipping the um, next episodes previously on was like, oh, oh so my way, God, you have to check the, that out. But yeah, that was they're so being funny. meta on meta, which I think is a step I don't you don't really see very often, which is very yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. So who was most doomed this episode? Pete, in your estimation, who was most doomed this episode? Well, you got to be worried about Millie. Um, you know, if Mr. Nobody's going at these kind of random, uh, you know, so-called heroes, like what is he doing to Millie? Like somebody's got to stop Mr. Nobody and figure out what his Millie plan is because I'm worried about her. Um. Aren't we all? Uh, I think most doomed is Niles. I don't think he's going to be able to go through the same journey that our Doom Patrol did. I think he's going to end up um, not being able to confront what he's done because the stakes are too high for him. He's too much of an ego, and he's going to end up falling by the wayside in this next episode. Mm. Uh, who is most doomed? Cyborg not doing well. I feel like I've called him out the past couple of episodes. So It's true. He's not doing well. Yeah, he is not doing well. Uh, probably Beard Hunter not doing great. He, he's been threatened with bananas. He didn't get to eat a beard on Denny the Street. I think there's some missing time there that we need to figure mm-hmm. out. So definitely worried about him and what's going on with him. Uh, I just want to quickly say great uh, use of look at these Nimrods. Uh, that was such a great line by Mr. Nobody. And, you know, 
Nimrod is a shitty character, and I wish he would have been exist. <laughs> is, uh, nonsense for this podcast. If you'd like to support this podcast, though, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Doom Patrol, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast, and many more. And now, a piece of advice from Pete LePage. Well, as John's brother once said, you need to stop asking and start answering some questions. <laughs> John's brother is me. That's right. <laughs> my brother. John. Wow. Shout out to my brother, John, Pete's favorite member of the Tyler family.